Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast with me, Angie Mazzetti. This week, Tamara Gillen joins me on the podcast. Tamara is the CEO and founder of Wealthy Her, a network organisation on a mission to champion female financial empowerment and advancement. One in three businesses globally is, is, is owned by women, but women, 72% of women, don't feel that they're understood or um, represented by the finance industry. So we thought that there was an opportunity. Tamara says that the research Wealthy Her have commissioned shows that women often don't feel included in either the physical surroundings of banks, where there are large portraits of elderly men usually, or even in the language that banks and financial organisations use. If I don't, if, if over 70% say, I don't think you're talking to me, and then there is this jargon that I don't understand, it feels like it's a club that I'm not in, and it, it makes me feel even more removed from it. Tamara also says that when it comes to financial affairs, it's a good idea for women to take the time to make a plan and to have those difficult conversations about money with loved ones. That clarity can often save disagreements when the going gets tough at stressful times in life. Have those conversations when things are good and it's not easy. So if you need an expert, you know, there's a lot of, you know, amazing people out there will give you advice and it's not easy. But I think talk about things when it's good and make a plan in all for all for it all, because it will it will set you free. But it will also mean that there's protection for those that you love. Wealthy Her is based in London, but with a global reach. And they want to ensure that women's voices are heard and women's needs are met. My guest this week is Tamara Gillen, the founder of Wealthy Her. Did I say that right in the first place, Tamara? You're very welcome, by the way. Thank you. And yes, you did. Wealthy Her it is. Okay, it's a nice sound to it, isn't it? Well, I was just saying, a, a dear friend of mine, Bill O'Neill, who I was in college with, he's worked in London in the high financial circles for, for decades. Uh, he was telling me about you and about the, the waves that Wealthy Her was making. And when I talked to him at Christmas time, he recommended I get in touch with you. He says, you have to have her on the programme. Uh, he said you're make, really making people in high finances, not only in London, but around the world, sit up and listen about the power of women and their wealth, their money in the world. But first, will you tell us a little bit about why uh, you set up Wealthy Her and exactly what is Wealthy Her? So Wealthy Her was set up um, because a wonderful woman, woman from JP Morgan, Lauren von Stackelberg, approached me and she said, I have a dream. Do you think it's possible to create a network that sits across financial services organization um, and helps them to champion, understand, enable and equip women? I'm an entrepreneur and I said that sounds like a tough challenge to get them to um, work together uh, with competitors to change things for women. But I love a challenge. And so we started this adventure uh, in the summer of 2018 in a, in a, in a sorry, 20, yeah, 2018, uh, in a time that we seem to have forgotten. Um, and we, we approached some amazing women at the top. So of some of some, some of these mighty banking institutions, um, Nancy Curtin from Close Brothers, chief investment officers, one of the few women leading investments. Um, we also HSBC, brought this group of women together and said, could we do this? And they said, yes, we can. And we envisaged what we would do. And we said, we have a simple mission to drive the economic advancement and the financial empowerment of women to do this together. Because if we do this collaboratively, then we can achieve so much more. Because if one of us learns or one of us moves, the rest of us have to move. So on International Women's Day 2019, we launched with uh, 13 financial partners standing with us. Um, and since then, we've grown those numbers and continue to, to build on, on the work of the network. 
Um, one of the things that you touched on in your intro, which I love, is that you know, women are a mighty financial force. There is, you know, you know, the women's wealth, women's um, is being driven by careers, women in leadership, everything you talk about, careers, growth. One in three businesses globally is is, is owned by women, but women, 72% of women don't feel that they're understood or um, represented by the finance industry. So we thought that there was an opportunity. There, there is a huge lack of, of uh, understanding. I remember years ago, you just reminded me, I worked in advertising in 1982 <laughs> and there was a bank. Um, well, it was a, a wasn't a bank, but it was, it was a financial organization and all their TV advertising was it was a mutual society. All their TV advertising was in the farming area it was about men on tractors and uh, men in cars and men walking into the bank. And then when they came to the advertising agency I was with, um, they said, well, who are your customers or who's banking with you? And they said, well, men, was, have you actually looked through your books? And when they did, they saw that most of the women or most of the people that were investing, like going in and putting their wages in every month, there was a huge number of women who had come from farming backgrounds like teachers and nurses. They had paid no attention. So is there a huge need for banks to actually look and pay attention to their um, you know, who's actually banking with them and where, what are they doing with their money? Is there any analysis? I'm sure things have come a long way since the 80s, but sometimes you wonder, <laughs> do they pay enough attention to women? Absolutely. I think that's a very, very fair point. And I think, um, and it's it's startling because, I mean, I, I always think of, I, I did a speech at the London Stock Exchange and I said, when I was born in 1975, a woman was just allowed to have a bank account in her name. I mean, and we have come a long, long way. But I do think that, that you know, we've also said to some of our, pri- our client, our partners, you know, every room in your client area is named by a man. Uh, is named after a great man. How do you think that feels? And some of them say, I hadn't even noticed that that was the case. Um, and so I said, immediately, it doesn't feel like you're talking to me. And women, you know, women, we have worked hard for our rise in our careers, for I'm an entrepreneur. It's a hard job to not be, to not felt like you get me or you understand me. And I think that you are completely right power comes from knowledge and data and that's why we have researched so heavily to say you know these are um, your customer or your clients and we found in our survey we interviewed two and a half thousand men and women circa two and a half thousand men and women in the UK um, China Hong Kong Singapore and 70% were in men and women were in control of their own financial decisions so women have that autonomy and power um, and in fact if they're not listened to um, and I think there's a statistic that says the finance industry is missing out on 700 billion from not listening or getting women so so that's why we're, what we do and, and why we do it but we do it because women make make great choices and we've seen that women I think 89% of women in our last um, piece of research have said that they want to invest so in ways that's sustainable and socially responsible. So women are making great choices. So their involvement is good for themselves, but broader societal impact. I believe that's uh, really influencing the financial markets as well, where, you know, where investments are going. Um, you know, the UN sustainability goals um, are not just nice to haves anymore. They're, they're being actually being built into business objectives. And a huge part of that is being driven by women. Um, I'm really interested in, in the statistics you're coming up with as well. What other sort of interesting things did you find in your research? 
I mean, linked to what you just said about this, the uh, global goals, um, one of the things that was, you know, 89% of women wanted to invest, as I said, socially and environmentally responsible. That was almost 10% above men. Uh, men were more on the environment, whereas women were saying, actually, social responsibility is really important to us. So we want uh, to engage with financial services brands or businesses or brands as a whole that demonstrate positive impact on society supply chains, female representation. Um, we also did a piece with next gen, so uh, millennials. And, and millennials, the best educated, um, and everything that you know with your work with Trinity, you know, the best ed educated of any generation, um, and young millennial women particularly so, they even were slightly higher. I think they just tipped over 90% in saying, I will not do business or I will not engage with brands that are not signed up to behave responsibly with the future in mind and one of the things that we asked them in one-to-one -one interviews was why you know and how do you know and they talked about which I love which was they go and look at what businesses are signed up to what goals and then they asked for well I want to understand it's a, you know you can't just say you're signed up to them what are you actually doing so then now that's given them a way to actually say are businesses behaving in the way that we want and I, I love that um they also, women across the board, which I also think is really important, said in our research, 57% said, um, I want less jargon. If I don't, if, if over 70% say, I don't think you're talking to me, and then there is this jargon that I don't understand, it feels like it's a club that I'm not in, and it, it makes me, me feel even more removed from it. So wanting to create environments where women can say, I don't understand that, and, and in an environment where other people say, neither do I, I have no idea. I remember once being in a, a group with one of our partners and their clients and uh, this amazing female entrepreneur put her hand up and she said, um, I have to be honest, I never ask my relationship advisor why we do X or Y because I don't want to look stupid. I ring Mary and everyone went, who's Mary? And they said, it's his assistant. And I ring and I say, Mary, tell me what that means. She said, because with Mary, I feel I can ask anything and she's a super smart lady. I want to see Mary on the front line. I don't want to see you know, so just those insights are so fascinating and sort of, under, you know, you start to understand some of the why. I think an awful lot of that comes down to confidence, um, you know, not having the confidence to ask the question in case you feel stupid. Whereas, you know, a man will don't think twice of us. I don't get this. <laughs> they will actually you have to admire them sometimes the way that, you know, they will be very direct. Um, you know, do we have a lot to learn from guys and from, you know, men or do we just need to change the whole system and make it useful to everybody? I think that, again, such a good point, because we also, I mean, it's sad, it comes down to confidence. We found that women um, have much lower self-confidence than men. Um, and in fact, women in the UK have much lower self-confidence, almost four times less than those in Asia, particularly when it comes to financial confidence. We looked into why that was. So we found, yes, you know, COVID's had a dramatic impact on women's careers 1.5 times more likely to have lost their jobs in the UK or quit because of COVID. Um, financial confidence is down for both men and women but I think that financial sorry the confidence generally and financial confidence means that women don't ask questions and I do think men say I don't know the answer either I don't know what that means but I I bold you know I boldly go through it and I don't care if I don't know or I pretend I don't know so I think there's definitely something to be learned there but I think it's the, the stuff that we always say our work is twofold. You have to change the cultures and the institutions and the industries that serve women because they're not getting it right and they could be so much better. And that's all the work we do. 
but equally let's arm women with confidence and knowledge so that they do feel prepared and they are making smart decisions because there was in the first two quarters or first, I think, four months of the lockdown last year, five times the amount of savings was made as recorded by the Bank of England. And the majority of that was being made by women who said, I've got to be, I've got to, you know, have this protection through my savings. It was the worst savings interest rate that there has been in a very long time. So it was the worst place to put their money um, in some respects. And in fact, we need to arm them. And we're still having situations where a pension's a third of a man's at 60 and women stopped pension contributions over this period more so than men because of the job impact so arming is is as much about their confidence but it's also about positive outcomes for women and and we want to do both sides of the coin yeah and where do you start with that you know i think that's phenomenal um just you know not having the nous and not having the information to make those kind of decisions um, about where to put your money to grow your wealth and i know that's that's part of your mission so where do you start with people do you and the you know the pension thing i'm I'm suffering that myself (laughs) everybody is because you take time out during your career you know but you, you forget about you know adding those very you know keeping that going and how important that is how do you drive those messages home to women i think that it's a very complex thing because money and talking about money and finance is layered it's cultural it's based on you know it's based on your 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 own experiences with money or family experiences with money i have to admit i am terrible I've always been terrible with money um I am I started to say that you know <laughs> I know I've always been an on I'm my father my father's an entrepreneur and I've always said I'm an entrepreneur and my my future is my business and I've invested in property on the way because he was a property entrepreneur well if you get married you don't have a prenup you get divorced you lose a lot of your future pension which is what I learned and so I I knew this about myself and I know this about some women. So we see that there's two sides. There are some women that you say, please come along, Finance 101. Uh, Young women, we'd like you to come, or mothers and daughters, we'd like you to come along. We just want to talk, ask any question, whether it's about a pension, whether it's actually, you know, we found in this group, you know, from our research, you know, 83% of kids leave school without a basic understanding of a mortgage, compound interest, credit cards. So actually ask any question, come in, let's do Finance 101. And women, you know, people come and say I, I just don't know can I start a pension now I'm you know I'm in my four, mid 40s like me others we say you know money the last t- taboo let's talk about money is the last taboo for women why do we not feel we can talk about it and we did an event and we had 130 women in the room and we said who in the room has ever spoken to a female friend about money and five women put their hands up. So I think you need to do both. You need to go, you know, if you, you know, have something that's very focused, you want to talk about impact investing, you know, you've got something to invest, come on in, let's do that. You want to talk about pensions, how do you get the future you want? But on the other side, have some ways in where we talk about the psychology of money, money in relationships, money in kids. So I think that those two things are so important because I would never go to finance 101. I don't need to <laughs> money the last taboo. Gosh, I think I, I love the uh, the website where you have uh, the death of the piggy bank. <laughs> I mean, it does actually start, you know, your 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 beliefs and your your culture around money does start when you're a child. And I remember being at a, a session with um, a woman called Shakti Gawain. She does all this creative visualization. And she said, you can challenge people about politics and about religion 
And she says they will discuss it openly with you. But if you challenge them about their money beliefs, they will just shut down. So it's very deeply ingrained in people and goes over centuries and cultures. I'm sure it's different, as you say, there between Asian and American and European cultures. You know, where do you start when you're with kids? You know, you say that the death of the piggy bank. I'm just going to read a quote that you have here. If we want to disrupt the confidence crisis affecting women in our financial dealings, it's essential we empower our children with the skill and knowledge to ensure they become financially confident adults. I know we touched on the whole confidence thing, but does it start that young? Does it start really young with with young people? I absolutely think it does. And one of, there's an amazing man that I did an event with uh, who was called Michael Lush. He was at JP Morgan and he is um, a behavioral uh, economist. And he, um, he asked me, um, he said to me, ask your son, where does money come from? And I said, and my son is six, so he was five then. And I said, oh, really? He said, have you ever spoken to him about money? And I said, no, actually. So I said to my son, I said, Seth, where does, um, where does money come from? He said, oh, that's easy, the bank. I said, oh, how does it get there? And he said, um, oh, it it gets there with um, some scissors, some papers and some stamps. <laughs> and I said, I said, Seth, don't you think all the work that mummy does going out to work to, to get all this money to pay for our life, that that's what it, no, 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 you enjoy your work. I've been to your work. There are cakes there. And it, what, it, what it made me think is, he doesn't even know where money comes from. And so one of the things I asked Michael Lersh, and also there's a lovely lady, um, uh, Maya Pabu at JP Morgan, who does a lot of work with families. I said, how do you even start to talk to kids about money? Um, and actually starting to talk about money is actually, I think, a really important thing. Understanding the value of money. So one of the things that they actually suggested, which I really loved, was a, a digi piggy. So a digi piggy where you put your money in and, you, and it basically says there's five pounds. And it, you know, it gives you this sort of total and thinking, well, this is to save. This is so that you can give, you can, you know, we're going to give some money to people who need it. And this is so that you can spend it as you go. And actually that simple, simple lesson, he suddenly got, you know, and I'm like, well, if you put your plate in the dishwasher, you get 20p towards your, <gasps> the plate goes. So I, and it's a very simple thing. And you do think he's starting to understand money in a very simplistic way, but some of the basic mechanisms and I, it really opened my eyes. And more than that, I think that again, talking to experts in this space, there's often a lot of taboo with money or, or money and expectation. And the fact that, um, you know, I came from a very entrepreneurial family. And so money and, you know, we were given challenges, like whoever does the most and makes the most money from your little summer project will be, well, that's not, you know, success isn't money. And, and, and I think that's equally important. But then I think touching on the point at the end, I also think that that shocking thing, 83% of children leave secondary school without a basic understanding of, of, you know, money and finance and managing finance. And I think that does need to change as well as some of the cultural lay, layering and, and probably the cultural layering is more important. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, does it also, you know, you're talking about challenging family values and, you know, where you've come from. Do we need to start changing that though? Because we're never going to be able to break out unless we start asking ourselves some questions about our own upbringing and, you know, well, was this really right? And does it actually fit with the modern day? You know, like maybe your mom was a stay at home housewife, which many women would have been in the past. You know, we're inventing a whole new reality now. So we have to actually start asking questions and getting information and getting educated ourselves around money, don't we? Absolutely. And I think there's so much, I think there's so much to learn through the generations. And, 
you know, one of the things I, and, and as I said, I, and I shouldn't have said it, but I was terrible with money when I started Wealthy Hair. I've always been, I'm, I'm self-directed entrepreneur and, and any kind of financial management, not me. And I have definitely learned a lot of lessons and started to change things, which just by exposure. And I think that that is so important um, to get that exposure and start asking questions and thinking about our own backgrounds and, and the things that we pay forward in our relationships or to our children. I mean, I know, um, you know, I've done a lot of work with talking to your your elder parents about their future life. What do they want in in the incidence of something going wrong or the management of their affairs and I tried oh my goodness I tried in New Zealand when I was when I was with my parents at the start of Covid because I thought well something could happen what what are your wishes and it was the most incredibly laden my parents are like you want us to die I was like no dad you're 85 this year I just want to look after you in the way that you want which just made me think going back to your earlier statement there is big taboos around you know it's not about preparation it's seen as so much so much more than just talking about financial affairs actually i hadn't intended to talk to you about that but actually that's a really important you know plan planning for your future because um i was did a lot of work with the irish hospice foundation and they recommend you know talking about things demystifying this particularly with elderly parents you know and do it for yourself as well make a plan because it's not that people will fight over your money uh, when you're gone they will if you haven't made a plan but if you've made a plan and there's buy into it, then things are better. So it's in your interest to make a plan for yourself. Um, so, you know, is that part of what you would say to people in, in Wealthy Her as well? Absolutely. And again, it's, I, you know, have the privilege of working with some amazing experts in this field. So these are their words. Um, um, and one of the things that um, they talk about is talk about money when things are well, whether that's I'm getting married and I love you and I, you know, talk about a plan, then talk about your kid's future. You know, I remember I was standing in front of a oh, an ad with my son when I got divorced and it, I think it was a Scottish widow's ad and it says you spend so much time planning your money when you're alive. What, what have you planned for when you're not there? Do you have a will? Do you have, and actually you just think, why would I not? And so I think, and I think the same is with family or, or such the terrible thing at the end of life. You would want to know what people want, whether that's the end or if it's the planning after. Have those conversations when things are good and it's not easy. So if you need an expert, you know, there's a lot of, you know, amazing people out there will give you advice and it's not easy. But I think talk about things when it's good and make a plan in all for all for it all, because it will it will set you free. But it will also mean that there's protection for those that you love, Such whether that's advice. just in. Yes. Yeah, whether it's just even in the emotion. I mean, how often do we hear that? Yeah. families fall out when things aren't decided before parents leave you know this world so yeah, yeah it's a huge a huge area and um, i just want to come circle back to something you said earlier on which is percolating in my mind you were talking about when the when covid crisis first the way a lot of women started just saving like crazy but just putting it in in an account where nothing was ever going to happen to it because interest rates are so low um, and i noticed that one of the lines on your website is protect and grow their wealth um, is it kind of alien to a lot of women to invest in equities and in accounts where their money will actually grow rather than sitting there and wilting away? Um, do, you, do you believe women have to actively protect and plan to grow their wealth? And if so, how do they do that? Are, you know, are women inherently risk averse and do they dread, you know, putting it all in dodgy investment and then it all just after all their hard work just disappears? How do they actively protect and plan to grow their wealth? I mean, I have to say, um, I will talk from a data perspective because I cannot give I cannot give the financial advice. Um, but um, we definitely have seen women are highly involved in um, 
household decisions regarding everyday money, mortgages. After that, women's um, engagement tends to drop off. Women are savers. Um, they Men and women start saving earlier. But in fact, you find that um, women are later starting a pension than a man, which a man, which is obviously a long term form of investment as you get into more sophisticated. So actually to grow through financial investments, um, actually women are half as likely as men to engage with that. And I think that, again, one of the things one of our partners, Tilney, um, has shown me um, is a practical planning tool. And one of the things they showed us is if you just start investing in this way, this can grow. And, you know, yes, there's there's risk in this, there's, but there's a long-term investment strategy. And it opened my eyes as well. It can grow. And I, and I have I have never behaved that way. And actually, I think, oh, it does grow. And so I do think there's a lot of opportunity for women to, to take some of their low, low interest savings and invest it very wisely for the long term to have a longer term gain. So I think that that is really, really important that women start to sort of understand that landscape and engage in it. Um, I think that pensions absolutely is just something that we do. The data's there. We do it later. We do less. We prioritise through our journey, our kids' education. So we'll stop or we take a career break, as you said. So having that that strategy to protect that, I think, so that it will grow for the future, I think is important. Women are living 8% longer than men. Um, so I think um, in the UK or globally, actually. So I think that that's something that we need to plan for for that as well. I talked to um, Michelle D. Cullen, Dr. Michelle D. Cullen here, who is one of the managing directors in Accenture here in Ireland. And she brought up a very good point about that um, pension. You know, she says, have the conversation with your partner. Um, you know, if you're going to take time out to have the children, that the contributions still keep going into your pension, but that, you know, your partner picks up that side of things if you're out of the workforce for a while. So it's a conversation I don't think I ever had or, you know, I, I don't know my friends who have had that, you know, but it's a really important point that the contributions keep going, even though you take time out. It's really, really important. We have a lot to learn from each other, I think, as women. And also some of it is like the... Um the orchestration and organization of it. My brother um, has just also made his will. My nephew's um, only two and they, I'm, I'm the guard, will be the guardian. And he said, in doing that, we suddenly realized we had several pensions in different countries because they've lived internationally and we've never joined them up. If something happened, you'd never even know that that pension was there in Australia. And so you just think some of it's about organization and documentation as well, where you don't even know. And it reminded me, oh, I did, I, I did work in corporate UK for about Hmm, probably 10 years I probably actually have a pension somewhere I don't even know where it is so it's it's again so some of it's about organization as well as you know communication as well as planning sorry I think we, we get so caught up within day-to-day living that we forget the kind of the financial admin that has to be done like as if you're doing the washing or you know the daily chores it's just one of the things you have to pay attention to and um, if we stand together we can have the biggest impact I loved that line uh, that stood out from your wealthy her video um, standing together, is that a fundamental part of your organization's thinking? And what do you actually mean by it? I mean, we sort of know what you mean by it, but, you know, standing together, what? how can women stand together? I think that there are multiple ways that um, women can stand together. And we meant multiple things from that. I think the one was women, uh, you said it, women have so much to learn from each other. There are pearls of wisdom. There are vulnerabilities when people say I actually don't know anything about that and I always start sessions like that and people go oh golly good I'm so glad you said that I thought that you would be an expert in that or you know so I think that there's there's so much that women can learn from their knowledge the sharing of their knowledge one of the things that we said to our partners like HSBC JP Morgan Julius Bear is 
you can't get involved in the network unless you give real resources and time to change and champion. And so each, you know, and that is female leaders, that's rising stars, that's male allies. You have to be involved in the change, in the positive, you know, you just do not get to be part of this if you are not prepared to stand with us because it's not an organizational stamp, it's individuals who will make this possible. Um, we also believe that, you know, we have to join up as many dots as possible. So, you know, collaborating with you or, the UN foundation on our girl up initiative is because if, if there are so many people doing great things, let's join the dots up and be more together. So that collaborative spirit is also really, really important for us. Um, but also collective voice. Um, some of our partners, you know, have 160 billion assets under management with, you know, circa 30% of that being in the hands of women. Well, if we can use those, you know, arm women with making the right choices for themselves, their loved ones, but also for, impact and society we have a lot of clout um so that that's what we meant and those layers of standing together are really really sit at the heart of what we do and a little bit of you know i mean we don't have time to breathe and i want to do more but you know really want to lobby um entrepreneurs you know in this in the uk uh, female entrepreneurs one percent of funding the government um ago in in 2019 went to to female startups even i think it was like 1.5 percent of the future fund which was set up for survival of entrepreneurs through covid uh, only 1.25 i think it was percent of people who applied for it were female entrepreneurs i'd love to lobby to you know the government's rewriting procurement once we get out of that standing together can be change your procurement policies you have to have female businesses on the pitch they don't have to win um, but they have to be on your pitch consideration list for government procurement but again you can only do that as a force versus a kind of single organization i think a lot does come from government we have uh, enterprise ireland here in ireland and uh, some very enterprising um leaders in the in the organization ring fenced and a, a you know a fund for female entrepreneurs and they found they had a huge take up but when you put men and women in the same pot the women didn't apply so it doesn't yeah. come down to the whole confidence thing but, but you know the ring fencing of the fund specifically for women has been a huge success for them and they've invested that's a great place, yeah I love that. That's a great. It's, it's it's a great approach. I really I'm I'm going to steal that now and go and annoy the future fund and the government. But it's um, no, but it's it's true because I also think that you know women. We've asked women and we did a piece of research with as a part of our study. I think twenty percent were entrepreneurs, and we said, well, what does um, you know what prohibits you? And and some of them is I'm not aware of the funding options in their plethora of you know, different, whether it's debt, whether it's investment, whether it's VCs, some say, I would never get a fair deal. <laughs> I, you're not going to, you're not going to appreciate what I've got to say and what I'm selling. Um, definitely, there's a wonderful lady called Dana Kantz, who uh, researcher, I think with the LSE, and she said that, in fact, female entrepreneurs are asked blocking questions and male entrepreneurs are asked promoting questions. So there is some truth in that, which is goes back to that point. You can't just change. You can't say I'm going to make women more confident. You have to actually change the industries that are investing in them because all their businesses. So it's the two sides of the coin. Um, and that's actually a topic we're taking to our summit um, in March on the 23rd, 24th is, is, is OK. How do we what are the funding barriers? How do we overcome them, which doesn't sit alone with women? We will get them prepped and ready and HSBC do loads of work in this space of actually arming women for the pitch process. But let's change the industry as well because they are being blocked in a way that men aren't. And let's ring fence the fund. That's what I'm such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more about the uh, the conference on the 23rd and 24th of March. I presume it's online. 
It's online. It's online. So it's one of the things we said is let's face up to the future of uh, female entrepreneurship and leadership. What are some of the barriers? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the challenges? What are some of the opportunities? So it's two days. We've got some amazing people like Anya Highmarch talking about her journey, um, doing it all, designer, business leader, a mum. We've got um, the most amazing woman who I have admired forever. Her name is Dame Stephanie, uh, Stephanie Shirley. Um, she started the first coding business for, the, for women in the 60s, IPO'd it. She's now in her 80s, big philanthropist philanthropist and so she's talking about her challenge to us what do you do what do I think you need to fix where should you focus on and her story so what we really want to use the summit for is to sort of share knowledge learnings but also address what needs to be done and what do we need to do um so um it's it's going to be really exciting and it's going to be um we're doing a lot of um content that you can consume you can turn up live or you can actually you know we the other thing we know women are busy women are more stretched than ever before watch it whenever you want you don't have to join on the fixed two days but we're using that as a focus brilliant brilliant and i'll get the information for that and put it on the website as well that's terrific can Thank i just you. pose a sort of a devil's advocate question to you there might be people listening to the podcast and think, well that's very well for all those high-flying women in finance but it doesn't really relate to me and my little average job with a you know good enough income and a pension all right but um how does all that wealth stuff how does it affect me i mean they don't see themselves as being wealth owners what do you say to them I think that that is a very fair, very fair point. And one of the things that we've said to the network and with our partners is we're for all women. We are for all women. Um, And we actually did um, an event with the Telegraph, um, bringing female finances to the fore. And that did cover some of the more fundamental things. And in fact, this isn't about, and as I said, I have the worst financial investment and pension. So it definitely is for all women. And, And we do things like negotiation training, Everybody has to negotiate, whether you are selling your house, buying your house, getting divorced, or you found that work, you know, women have worked on average in lockdown 156 more hours than their male partners in either care of loved ones, their parents, elderly um, family, their children, the dreaded homeschooling. Even if it's negotiating with your partner, I need more. I need more support. Please help me. Or your job. This nirvana and working from home is not the nirvana I hoped for. So we work on those things and emotional intelligence, you know, because we are about the advancement of women. And some of that is around, what you know, your nest egg, your pension, you know, don't put it all in savings. But some of it's about you and your advancement. And when we, we do equally uh, work in that space and we've also said to our partners which is also what we're doing with the um, UN Foundation Girl Up is we're creating a leadership program for girls that have just graduated from school Um, and they the worst 2020 the worst time to graduate probably in 20 years for prospects for a down you know a third um futures so actually what we're saying is we've got we've got some of the most financially powerful organizations let's do something together with our membership and get behind these young women to change their futures and i think that you have to do it all because it isn't about wealth it's it's about you know it's about women more more, more broadly and the advancement of all 
Yeah, much more holistic. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was the whole digital. I mean, the, the generation that have come out are now are digital natives. They've grown up in that whole digital world. So and we've seen with COVID now, we're not using pounds and uh, euros in cash and coins. Who has coins even in their pockets anymore? So it's been that whole mental switch into the digital world, which should be, in theory, easier for this next generation. Um, we, we use our smartphones, our watches and Revolut kind of cards and all that. Yeah. So should we start thinking of money as digital first now and just em- embrace all that notional wealth? It's so complicated because I agree with you. And again, it came up with my son when I was talking to this uh, amazing um, expert. And he said, actually, it's made money even more removed for children. And my son says it, you know, just Amazon it, mummy deliver it and we've actually gone back to okay I'm handing over and actually I have some fake money because I'm like oh this is all clean money so it's fine I give him but because that he's he can actually understand oh I'm accumulating it via that method but when he looks at it on Amazon oh mommy it's only 22 pounds mommy just Amazon it and he has absolutely no concept so we think we are moving to we are absolutely and have been you know that it's accelerated that digital first and it has to be digital first but I also think we've got to find other ways then to one you know especially in children to understand the value of money um and I think on the other side I think you are completely right and this whole um digital consumer and women more than men have said I am prepared to be engaged digitally I am too busy I'm too stretched I need it on my time come to me not let you know make me come to you so I think that that has some learnings for the financial services industry because they are not necessarily as advanced in digital client engagement particularly where it's always been more one-to-one so I think that there is there's some real things that women need from an adaptation point of view. So it's probably better for women if they don't have to go into those rooms that are named after men anyway, and they have to speak yeah. your language. I suppose there's a lot of learning for companies there. Um, was it hard for you to get sponsors and founding supporters or are there more people willing to listen to the, the message of Wealthy Her? I think it was in the beginning, it was until we had that kind of tipping point of having more um partners um once you have a few but i think once you hit the five and we were we were launching then people start to say we need to be involved in this the others are doing it so that power of we and us together definitely helped being completely candid it's been really hard in the current in the you know 29 2020 was a hard year for us all we used to do a lot of you know bringing women together in groups even if they were 30 with roundtables of 10 talking about things and we had to adapt to be digital first and how do we do a digital event but how do we still bring women together so I think that and our some of our partners find that you know there's hard harder times make people uh you know back off gender um you know or equality or doing things and i i actually say to all my partners and the industry now's the time to double down on whether that's philanthropic efforts whether that's on gender or broader equality because in fact there is a danger if, if women in the UK are 1.5 times more likely to have lost their job or quit their job in COVID. Actually, there is, there is risk because they've been struggling. There is risk that if we don't double down on equality or gender or, you know, that, that, that there'll be a loss of, of women, whether that's from leadership or organisations or whether that's actually from entrepreneurship. People have also you know, the whole landscape of entrepreneurship, if we don't back our entrepreneurs, and let's face it, it's been the hardest time in business for 20 years, we will we will dramatically change. So I say, 
double down and don't you dare use COVID and tough times as an opportunity to back off. Now's the time where we need to lean in even more. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But that being said, they are still supporting us and we're still on this wonderful journey and we're having wonderful people coming and it's so important if more and one of the things that we've said is let's broaden the network of who's in the network and and, and strengthen our ranks that way. Tell me tomorrow what are your top five pearls of wisdom for women in leadership and particularly around money? I think that one is probably um believe in yourself and that is just a general um and it's a very easy to say that but prepare to believe in yourself one of my pieces of advice i always give because we see it come out in tv presenters we see it come out in you know big ceos is this idea of this imposter syndrome or i don't quite believe in myself and one thing i always say is prepare for that so if you're going into ask for a pay increase ask people who who you respect to tell you why you're good so when you say why you don't say i think you say well blah blah said and Buddha said and I believe it to my core um, I also think that hold your line is so important because we are negotiated you know at in every area of our life and I've seen it in practice my team all do negotiation training with this amazing woman called Nicole Soames and actually she says that what women do is we negotiate against ourselves so you go I think I should I should ask for this but how about, I give them the lower number, how about 60 to 75? And again, she says they automatically know you'll accept 60 or let the other side negotiate with you if you're selling a house or you're pitching for business or going for a job increase. So we think that that, that backing yourself and holding your line is, is also really, really important. I think that a third one relating to money is ask any question don't be, you know, no question is too silly. Most people don't know the answer. I have sat with some of the most, you know, senior women in finance and men, some of which have said, I don't know what that means. I leave all of that to my advisor or my partner. I've sat in rooms with entrepreneurs who have said, I've twice woken up with several million in my bank account from selling my business. I don't have a financial confidence issue. But when you drill down, they say, actually, I don't want to look like I don't know because I should know. I've been very commercially successful, but I don't know why we do bomb. Who knows why we do invest in currencies? Um, so, you know, no question is too silly and most people don't know. And it's good to ask questions. I think that there is no, don't be afraid to ask for help um, because that we're talking particularly whether it's about protection, whether that's legally uh, going into a relationship or buying a house or marriage or your the end of life or succession planning for your family. This is a complex area. I and mean, then there are people who do this every day with, um, you know, heart, with experience, with empathy. And in fact, getting their advice or having a brief phone call. I just reached out um, to one of our partners from Erwin Mitchell, a lovely lady called Zara Pabani. And I was really struggling, a family lawyer, and I was really struggling um, with my son and my ex-husband and getting it right. And I just said, Zara, can I just ask your advice? And her advice was, you know, talk to the school, talk to the school about pastoral care, get some support for Seth and you and your ex-husband to negotiate this together. And it was such a, you know, it wasn't about law. It, you know, it was about how to approach it in a balanced way because she sat with loads of families in this way. So I think don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and my father, going back to the final one, he always says, you know, 
the harder I worked, the luckier I got. Um, and I think you can do anything. And I think now we have a time of such huge change. You do need to be resilient and the going is tough. I know this from my own challenges and battles that we all face in business and in life. But if there's now, I think it's a time of opportunity. And if you believe in yourself and, you know, you can do anything. And I, I really want, I believe that for women. And I've seen women do mighty things, uh, through young, old, later in their careers. So believe in yourself and go for it. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great to have a strong father. I, you know, I'm a great believer in how the power of dads as well. They can be fantastic. Um, your sustainability. We were talking about the sustainability. What's goals of the UN? What is your own sustainability practice? Is it important to you? Yes, I think it's I think it is really important. I think that one of the things I have this and I'm really lucky. Um, I have a dear friend called Sean Sutherland and she's um, the founder of the Plastic Planet and she is relentless at me. And um, one of the things that she talks about is actually go for the big boys. Um, um, and, you know, yes, and I, you know, I, I, I'm too terrified. I, would, I no longer could ever buy a plastic water bottle with her. Even if I'm in an airport dying, I have to go to the, la- you know, go get a pl- glass bottle and I have to refill it. Um, but actually, she says, go for the big boys. So she's really challenged me. What's the biggest impact with your influence in what you do with, with financial institutions or with female leaders that you can have? And let's start there. And so one of the things that I have um, done with Sean is she was at the F word and she's going to she's got a whole panel at the summit is whose responsibility is it government's business how do we go after the the big boys in a big and girls in a positive way and she believes you know go with uh, she works a lot with Unilever and saying you know how do we check you know work with business this isn't about you know you're bad it's about what let's change so I do it you know I've really terrified first terrified secondly inspired go after the big the the big impacts as well as make my you know my my daily sustainability uh, changes fantastic finances what's the best financial advice you ever got yourself plan and plan to plan by knowing where you are it's amazing once you start to look into it and, and even I think I said I did a I did an event with um, Emily Bellet from Best Best Pod and she was on a panel with me and she said go and look at where you spend your money every month and then look what you're spending it on look at subscriptions and I was like oh my goodness I didn't even know I had a subscription to that there was probably about uh, and, and it sounds terrible because I'm t- I was terrified of money and I basically ignored it but I had some subscriptions I didn't even engage with and she said if you could just take that. 45 pounds a month and just put it there for your son's future that will make a big difference and so I think that like jump in leap in own it look at it and then make a plan because it will set you free it certainly did me and it's so embarrassing to say that but it is the truth when it came to my everyday spending and not because I didn't run out of money I just was so found it abhorrent that I didn't want to look at it unsubscribe I you know that's such a good point because when the uh, when we first went into the lockdown I did like most people I did a lot of uh, clearing out and throwing stuff out and you know tidying up and I realized I have so many handbags and sets of shoes that I'm never going to use again and I thought if I'd saved all that money now I did enjoy them in my day but you know we do spend an awful lot on stuff that we really don't need as well you know uh- I agree with you. And I've certainly learned that oh, through, you know, I used to be the lover of a shoe. Now I just want to wear flat, flat shoes. I don't think I can ever go back. And what a waste of money. 
<laughs> Mind you, you can get really nice trainers too. Uh, I'm going to finish up with music. Do you like music? Do you have a piece of music or types of music that you go to when you need to pep yourself up or calm yourself down? What What do you like in music? I love music and I have to say music moves, moves your soul, your heart and does indeed stir you when you need it most. And I think one of my saving graces through uh, lockdown has been my, again, the son that I've spoken so much about because he loves music and he make you know, he's like money. I'm going to make I'm going to make breakfast time with rough music. I'm like, what is rough music? Rough music's the final countdown, which is, you know, if your day is low and you're thinking the fine, and you're thinking, wow, what a great way to get your uniform on. But my favorite piece <laughs> of music is um, Andra Day Rise Up, um, and I promise we'll bring the world to our feet. And actually, it's something whenever I'm kind of low. I listen and I think the lyrics are amazing. Rise up, rise up. I promise we'll bring the world to our feet. And I think that that is, you know, and again, it's just a piece of music that I play when I am definitely thinking, come on, come on, we're going to get through this. Fantastic. Tamara, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Women in Leadership podcast. It's been a pleasure talking with you and hearing everything you have to say and learning about Wealthy Her. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you so much, wonderful woman. It's a, it's been a pleasure to, to meet you and to be, take part in this. So thank you so much for your support. And if, if anyone wants to find out more, wealthyhernetwork.com, you can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn. If you want any advice, please drop us a note, um, uh, me a note um, on any of those channels and we will help. And 23rd, 24th of March, she's got this summit. That was my guest, Tamara Gillen of Wealthy Harp. Check them out on their website. You'll find details there of their upcoming conference, which you can attend online. She's Got This Global Leadership and Entrepreneurial Summit on March 23rd and 24th, 2021. You can check out our back catalogue of podcasts on our website, womeninleadership.ie. We're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LeadingWomenPod and we're also on LinkedIn. Let us know of any guests you think we ought to hear from, women with something to say that will help others. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti and all the team here, goodbye and take care. Mm-hmm.